We are Sugar by Half, a not-for-profit, independent organization led by a team of health experts and business professionals who also happen to be concerned parents. We are passionate about a future for Australia where people live healthier lives through the reduction of sugar-related diseases. Welcome to our podcast. Dr. Michaela, thank you very much for joining us tonight and we're looking forward to hearing you know, the effects of sugar and what it's doing to our health. So thank you very much for giving up your time on a Sunday evening. I know you're very, very busy and we really appreciate the time that you're giving towards the community tonight. Not to worry. Thanks, Daniel. So just to start us off, Michaela, if you can, um, what's the aim of Dental Health Week? So Dental Health Week is an annual oral health campaign that is run by the Australian Dental Association, which is the representative association for dentists in Australia. Um, it's run every year the first full week of August. So obviously it starts tomorrow on the 3rd and it'll go all the way through to the 9th of August, which is next Sunday. Um, and it's just a week where it allows us to bring oral health to the forefront and, and bring it and make it a point of discussion um, in saying that we we try not to make it, you know, you don't want it just to be one week where it's such an important topic. We we want it to be an important topic and in the, in the forefront of people's minds year round. But um, this is the one dedicated week of the year that we do run a, run a campaign for it. Excellent. So in the forefront, we want Dental Health Week for a good oral hygiene. Fantastic. Our post-second question for tonight is, why is it important for our teeth that we limit free sugar to the World Health Organization's recommendation of less than six teaspoons per day? Sure. I'll start off with this, um, I guess, in case people don't know, free sugars, it can be a confusing term. So it means any of the, the sugars that are added to um, foods during manufacturing, as well as uh, syrups, honey, fruit juice and fruit juice concentrate, um, which is probably surprising for some people because they tend to replace the conventional sugar with, with food items such as honey. But um, all those, they do recommend less than six teaspoons, which is the same as 24 grams, um, less than that amount per day. Um, there is evidence to show that keeping it low below that level can decrease our risk of developing tooth decay. So and um, the reason we want to as um as dentists why sugar is so important to us is that sugar is one of the main culprits in the development of tooth decay so um the the bacteria in our mouth the certain type that like to cause the, the cavities in our teeth they process the sugar that we eat and they turn it into an acid which which attacks our teeth okay so sugar attacking the teeth so it's doing all, all sorts of things to us so you mentioned there six teaspoons was 24 grams so one teaspoon equals four grams. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so I guess with the free sugars, and what are what are ways you suggest that we look out for hidden sugars when purchasing foods and drinks? So to look out for your sugars in, uh, or hidden sugars in your foods and drinks. So the best thing you can do is is know how to read the nutrition label on what you're buying to know how much sugar is included in it. And I mean, there's a lot of other nutrients to look at on that panel as well but obviously just with our discussion and and um with our campaign at this time our, our focus is on sugar but um the main things we can do so one uh looking at the 
per 100 gram column to see how much sugar is present per 100 gram. Ideally, you want to look for less than five grams. Um, uh, one of our messages this year is less than 10 grams um, because that's a really good start for people who are trying to lessen their sugar intake. Um, and it, in general, if, if you're buying food products that have over 15 grams of sugar per 100 grams, it's probably getting a bit high and try and see if you can um, look for a, an option that has less than that. Um, and then your other way of of finding the the sugar, how much sugar is in your product and, and what types of sugar is looking at the list of ingredients. So um, underneath or above the nutrition panel, uh, there will be a list of ingredients and you'll see in there um, sugar or alternative names for sugar listed. So uh, sugar itself goes by over 50 names because um, it doesn't have the word sugar. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't have products that are predominantly sugar and um, when you have a look at that list so it goes from largest quantity to smallest quantity so if sugar is one of the first um, top three ingredients that, that usually means there's a fair bit of it in there um, and if it's the first one it means it's present in the largest quantity within that food item yeah perfect so some key takeaways there um, yeah the ingredients list is listed from highest to lowest in terms of what, yeah. what's within it. So if sugar's listed in the first three or four ingredients, best that we probably stay away from that product and look for something else. Um, you just mentioned there as well, um, you know, looking at the per 100 grams column. So I guess, can you maybe just elaborate a little bit on that and why we should be looking at the per 100 grams instead of the per serving column on the nutritional panel? Yeah, sure. So when you're looking to buy a product, the per 100 gram column lets you compare with other products easily, um, irrespective of any other factors. So if the two different products have different number of servings, which is set by the manufacturer, when you're looking at the per 100 gram column, that it's irrespective of that. So it lets you pretty much, you know, apples with apples rather than, you know, apples with oranges. So um, it lets you do that easy. But then there is a place for the per serve column but it's really important to see how many or how much of a serve is in that product um because it's set by the manufacturers it's not what we think the serve is yeah. and usually our serve is is often a little bit bigger than what the manufacturers like to um recommend absolutely i know the um the wheat bix is two two serving two biscuits is a serve and i was trying to tell um i'm a teacher <laughs> so trying to tell teenage boys to have two two wheat bix is um doesn't go down too well. well so. And it's the same with cereal. The average cereal yeah. is 40 grams as a serving size, which if you measure that out and look at it, it is tiny. And it's unlikely that anyone would stick to that serving size, to be honest. Um, it is it is very small. So people, if they look at the per serve without any other, taking anything else into account, they'll, they'll think, oh, yeah, that amount of sugar is, you know, low per serve, I'm all good, but they don't realise, they mightn't realise that that's based on um, potentially only 40 grams and they might be consuming well over 100 grams. Yeah, perfect. So essentially that per 100 grams is will be on every um, product and label, so that's the best way to compare all products and to get an accurate count. And you said there ideally um, five grams or less per 100. Um, yeah. Or try to keep it under 10 um yeah the lower the lower the better pretty much obviously um yeah lower the better yeah so five grams you know would indicate it's a five percent sugar content 10 grams 10 percent. that's the, the beauty of comparing it 
um, in the 100 gram column as well. So that makes that yeah. um, easy for us to, to compare. And like you mentioned, just with how you called it a percent, so when it's out of that 100 grams, you essentially can think of it as a percentage. So if it's, as you say, five grams out of 100 grams, it means 5%. Yeah. So 5% of the food item per 100 grams is, is sugar. Yeah. Um, you did mention before as well, you know, there's over 50 names of sugar, which we actually have a resource on our website on sugar by half. Um, so I think it's, I think it could be 59 or 61. I'm not exactly sure on, on the exact number that we've yep. got on our resource, but um, mm. for those listening, feel free to, to check our resource out and, and see the different names that are on there. Just again, just to elaborate on that a little bit, do you have any other handy tips on how to quickly and accurately read the nutritional panel for food products to look out for these types of names? Because, you know, for someone who hasn't had any training or has had no, um, you know, background in this, that can be quite confusing for people to to try and read. So what would be, you know, I guess some nice tips for the everyday person in their supermarket trying to compare these products? What do you think is the best and simplest way to have a look at the ingredient list? The ingredient list. I, I think you have to read, like you mentioned about your website, and it's the same on the ADA's Dental Health Week website. We've created a, a little flyer or poster as well with um, common hidden sugar names i think you have to get updated a little bit on those names and, and understand that um what some of these sugars are because marketing marketing on on food packages will, will often say no added sugar but if you go into that list of ingredients you will see that um there is still a lot of sugar and they, they use that term often especially when it's items that's fruit juice because um i mean it, you know f fruit is Generally regarded as good for us but then when you have it as a juice you're having all the sugar none of the fiber um so it's a little less good for you when it comes in that um uh, in that form so i think to begin with you other than those steps that i mentioned earlier about you know looking where it sits in the list um and comparing between products with the 100 gram column you do need to know the name so even if you were to print off a little one of the whether it's sugar by half or the ADA poster to, to have that little cheat sheet with you sometimes when you're first out trying to identify these when you are doing your shopping. Yeah, perfect. And I guess if there's a number in it as well, it's probably a good hint to to stay away. <laughs> yeah, one of, I guess one of the easiest steps is first looking how much sugar. Because if it's too much, you're like, well, I probably should just look for something better before I start scanning through all the ingredient list trying to figure out what is the sugar. Um, it, it can be a good first step. Yeah, so if they just looked at the 100 gram column, aim for 10 or less and ideally five or less, um, that's probably the best starting point from there. And if it's in, in sugars in the top three or top four in grant list, probably just stay away. It's probably the key things from. I think they're your best first steps. It yeah. takes practice. Um, and you'll even talk to a lot of health professionals and that that are still, you know, a little unsure how to read them. It's not the easiest thing. It's not made particularly easy for a lot of people to read it and in a lot of cases the another confusing part is when they do add the word added sugar on the label and then separate sugars from added sugars um some people find it research has shown that some people find that confusing um and so when you do look at the list of ingredients it's hard to for someone sometimes to figure out what is an added sugar compared to a, a natural sugar that's in the food product as well Yep, perfect. Thank you very much for that. Um, our next question for you is to maintain good oral health, 
what would you recommend? So what would be some simple tips to maintain good oral health? Good oral health. Um, the Australian Dental Association has four key tips to maintain your oral health. So obviously brushing twice per day, ideally in the morning after breakfast if you can, and then at night before bedtime. Um, so pretty much immediately before retiring to bed so that you're not having anything else to eat or drink after that. And using a fluoride toothpaste, obviously, when doing so. Um, cleaning between the teeth every day, whether it's with floss or dental brushes or a water pick. Um, eating, obviously, as we're talking about now, a diet low in sugar, and then visiting the dentist regularly to catch anything in its early stages and for preventative care. Yeah, perfect. So probably just to throw a bit of a spanner in the works for um, Victoria, this is in stage four as of tonight, um, and lately all our dentist appointments have been cancelled. Um, <laughs> so you know, what are some tips that for us we've been trying to get to the dentist for a checkup? Um, it's been cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Do we just keep with those um, simple tips of maintaining, you know, brushing your teeth twice a day, flossing? Yeah, um, keep with those. Keep with those tips. Make sure you don't get complacent and you know, yeah. perhaps a little bit slack and maybe not brush it here and there. Um, you know, it's easy to do when you perhaps are always home and. Um, as well, you know, people, if, if you're, I guess, bored or even if you're just at home and in close proximity to a pantry, you know, you're more likely to possibly wander over to it, especially now since you can't really go out of the house all that much. Um, trying to, to limit your snacking or if you're going to snack, try and, you know, maybe a piece of fruit and a glass of water instead of those um, sweet things such as chocolate or muffins or cake. So talking about chocolate, muffins and cakes... <laughs> and you know leading towards tooth decay how big of an issue is tooth decay in australia um so the recent a study of the australian adult population which came out in december 2019 uh shows that tooth decay well untreated tooth decay in adults in australia has risen since they last last did the study but at the moment um it's about one in three australian adults have untreated tooth decay um in kids it's it's about one in three as well for the younger kids that are about five and six years of age and then it's more closer to one in four for kids that are six to 14 years of age so you'll be able to find a lot of those stats easily um in the australian oral health tracker um, which is a document made by the australian dental association in combination with the mitchell institute so it's those facts or statistics are laid out really simply in there to give you a, a snapshot of the nation's health at the moment which um yeah could still need some improving yeah so you just mentioned here one in three in adults one in three in five to six and one in four in um 14 years but that's you know pretty serious stuff what are the consequences of, of tooth decay? What's the, the impact when someone has tooth decay? Yeah, so when someone develops tooth decay, in the majority of cases, if it's if it's progressed far enough, the um, the dentist will need to do a filling to, to treat it, which means cutting out that portion of the tooth and then filling it with a synthetic material. Um, if you leave, as we said, like it's one in three adults with untreated, if you leave your tooth decay untreated, it, it in majority of cases will only continue to progress. Um, and in those cases, if it progresses far enough that you end up in discomfort and it 
might travel all the way to be close to or into where the nerve of the tooth is, um, you can end up with um, potentially needing the tooth removed or a root canal treatment to be able to treat it. So once it does go too far, uh, a filling is, is this can't be done if it gets to that stage where it's too bad. And, and in some cases, you know, when you do get, when it gets into that nerve space, in some cases you can end up with, with infections that can cause your face to swell up and, you know, in really severe cases, people can end up in hospital. Yeah. So a simple way just to prevent it and <laughs> keep with those four steps from the yeah. app they recommend. One of the, well, that's it. One of the four steps um, you mentioned there is uh, the fluoride uh Toothpaste. Toothpaste, yeah. I guess at what age should toddlers or kids switch that toothpaste? So no, you know, they shouldn't they shouldn't have it within their toothpaste um, at a young age. So if you have toddlers or kids at home, at what age would you recommend that kind of toothpaste? Yeah, so you start using a children's toothpaste at 18 months. So before before that age, introduce the toothbrush, but they just use it with water. Um, so introduce a toothbrush around the time when their first teeth start to come through. Um, but toothpaste at 18 months. Yeah, perfect. And then um, for fluoride toothpaste, at what age would you recommend that they switch onto that? So no, in general, fluoride toothpaste at 18 months. Oh, okay, okay. So we don't recommend we don't recommend using unfluoridated toothpaste. Yep. Um, no. So before the age of 18 months, no toothpaste in general. Yep. 18 months, a child strength fluoride toothpaste. Yeah. So lower strength than what um, people over the age of six years use. Yeah, okay, so look for a low strength and that's safe for them to use. Yeah, so it'll be listed it, It'll be listed as a children's toothpaste. It'll have cartoons on it and it might have age ranges on it. A lot of the newer newer um, packaging comes out with age ranges. Um, yeah, so you want to stick to that and just put a, like a little a little smear across the toothbrush. No need to, to blob it on in, in excess. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, electric and manual toothbrushes, is there a, a major difference between them and, you know, what's your recommendation? Um, so electric and manual, if, if you're a good brusher um, and quite meticulous to try and cover all the surfaces and, and try and stick to the two-minute recommendation, uh, they can be much of a muchness for those people. Um, but for individuals who need a little bit of, help with the brushing um the electric toothbrushes have been shown in research to provide better outcomes um so for those who have a little bit of trouble that movement of the head whether it's backwards and forwards or it's up and down it helps to give that little bit of a better clean yeah perfect um you've done some you've created some lessons with sugar by half are you able to tell us about about those lessons and you know where are they available Yes, so we have created some lessons. The Australian Dental Association has created two lots of lesson plans with Sugar by Half. Uh, the first one is a math series of math lessons for grades five and six. And they use the nutrition information panel um, to do the unit of math that it's based on. So um, having to read the panel and get the information out of it to then do their sums. Uh, the second lot we created was the grades nine to ten, the basic, um, the basic acid-base pH unit that you know if you do um, 
year nine, 10 science, it pretty much just comes standard. Um, so we've, we have those lessons. So acid and bases is taught based on um, using pre-K to explain the process. So as, because as I mentioned earlier, that what it happens is the sugar create, the, the bacteria create acids which attack our teeth, so they pull the minerals out. So we're using that as an explanation for acids and bases in the um, in the science unit. Yeah, perfect. And you're saying that the, that the maths um, had the nutritional panel on there as well, so they're getting some great education in that yeah. sense. And the lessons are free for teachers um, to use. So yeah, I guess during remote learning as well, it's, it's always a challenge. Um, so if any teachers out there listening, definitely jump on. Um, the lessons are available on Sugar by Half website, so you can jump on there and have a look at the maths and science lessons. And thank you very much for your contribution to that. And yeah, they are fantastic and they've, that we've got yeah. from people using them have been great. So They've gone really well so far, especially the maths one apparently has been um, really quite popular. And I guess it serves as a, um, a double whammy that you learn your maths, but you also start to learn about how to read nutrition panels at the same time. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would have been useful when I was that great. So I think it's a great unit. Yeah, perfect. So all those teachers get asked when we're going to use this ever. You can say every time you go to the supermarket and <laughs> looking out. It's a, it's a real world skill, most yeah. definitely. Perfect. And just to conclude for tonight, uh, Michaela, just if you had one piece of advice for the public to maintain good oral health, um, what would that one piece of advice be? I'd have to say that I've already mentioned it. Um, those four key steps, uh, you know, if you are following those four key steps, you're, you really are caring for your oral health. So brushing twice a day, cleaning between your teeth, trying to limit your sugars and eating a nutritious diet and, and really most importantly, trying to visit a dentist at least once a year. I, I think that's the most important stuff people can try to do to care for their oral health and it will go a long way towards doing so. Yeah, perfect. And they all, they all seem very manageable and, and easy to do. So I think some really good tips there. Yeah, it, it, it takes practice sometimes to make it part of your routine, but it, it does form your everyday routine. It's it's nothing too out of the box. Um, that's how we should be be living every day anyway for, for good health. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And just to follow um, the Australian Dental Association, where can we head to? What's the best place to, to see all the, um, the stuff for Dental Health Week this week? Yeah, sure. So um, our Dental Health Week website is where we're housing a heap of great resources. So it's www.dentalhealthweek.com.au. So we have some audio files where we also even have an interview with Dr. James Mewkey, who's the 2020 Australian of the Year, where he talks about why we should have a have a sugar tax on sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, so it's a bit of a good listen if you're interested in that topic. And we have a heap of flyers, like I said, that can um, explain about reading labels. Um, but otherwise, you can find the Australian Dental Association on Instagram at, at Australian Dental Association, um, or we have a Facebook page. Facebook page called Healthy Teeth, which is one where we share a lot of resources that are aimed at the general public. So um, educational videos that we make about oral health, um, just all those use that all that general everyday useful information and caring for your for your mouth. Perfect. Excellent. And we'll also be um, putting up some stuff on the Sugar by Half um, socials this week as well in support of uh, Dental Health Week. So look out for them and 
Dr. Michaela, thank you very much for your time and we really appreciate it and we'll um, look forward to seeing some of the resources come out for Dental Health Week this week. Thank you. We, we appreciate you taking part in promoting Dental Health Week. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you guys.